Good to see you here. Uh, I'm aware not all of you know who I am. My name's Wayne. I'm one of the elders here at KCC. Uh, and it's my job today to take us through the next part of our series. As Adrian said earlier, we're working through our church mission statement. We're at the section as family. So quick question, what comes to mind when you think family? Which of these families is your biological family most like? So I tried to pick a few from culture. Von Trapps might be, uh, some of you may not know who they are. They're from the Sound of Music. They're the perfect family with very angelic children. Uh, then there's the TV show Modern Families, a mixture of blended families, generally people who are trying to get on, mix of good and bad, but doing their best to love one another. Or our royal family present a very polished image, but as we know, there's a lot of controversy in the background. Uh, or maybe the Simpsons, kind of often seen as the atypical dysfunctional family. Which one is your biological family most like? Don't call it out. There might be people here who get upset. Uh, question, another question, what do you like most about being part of a family? I'm going to get you to tell the per- finish this sentence and tell the person next to you. What I love most about my family is... How do you finish that sentence? Just tell the person next to you. Hopefully you could think of lots of ways to finish that sentence. But here's something else to ask you. This one, don't share. What frustrates you most about your family? Um, Our biological families are often dysfunctional and sometimes disappoint us. Uh, And it made me think about my own extended family. Uh, And I couldn't find a fictional family to compare it to. Uh, There are multiple separations and divorces, lots of broken relationships... Uh, Lots of them have multiple children with different partners. Uh, Some of my family are people who have been adopted, so a whole host of what we call blended families. Some of them have criminal records and have served time in prison. Uh, There's been domestic abuse in my family. Uh, Whenever I visit, I never quite know who's still talking to who. (laughs) Uh, That's just a flavour of it. But our families are often messy, complicated. No matter how much we love them, they often feel dysfunctional. But I'm going to uh, ask you to kind of put that to one side in a sense, I've made you think about it, but just no matter how dysfunctional our biological families are, don't let that affect how we view our church family. Don't let that affect how we view our church family. We are God's family. So which of the families I mentioned do you think KCC is currently most like? Uh, The Von Trapps, the modern families, the royal family or the Simpsons? (laughs) <laughs> I'm not, I won't ask you the controversial ones in the background. Uh, what I want to say is I, I wouldn't choose any of them. What we're going to see today is actually we shouldn't be like any biological family or fictional family. We're called to be distinctive, to be different. And what makes us different to every other family is our love for one another. We are church. We are God's family. What do you think of when you think of Church. Some of you here visiting us, I think, are not regulars in church. What comes to mind? Buildings? Sunday services? Boring? Where you come to for spiritual refreshments? Well, church is not something we go to. It's not a series of events we drop in and out of. Church is family. The whole global church 
The historical church and every local church is family. So we here at KCC are a church and we are family. It doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, what day of the week it is, even when it's not Sunday, we're still family. So look around. Those of you who call KCC your home church, this is your church family. For better or worse, God has brought us together. And the call from Jesus is for us to love like we really are God's family. Humanly speaking, actually it's a bit of a coincidence that we're looking at this topic on a day when we have baptisms. Uh, But Mark, Mansour, Mikhail, Sinner, welcome to the family. (laughs) Welcome. Uh, Obviously when you first put your trust in Jesus, you already became part of the family. But part of this baptism is celebrating that truth. A big part of today is to celebrate you are part of God's family and part of the family here at KCC. When you came to faith in Jesus, that first moment there was celebrating in heaven. And what a privilege and joy it is to be able to join with you and celebrate today. And I hope this sermon helps you understand a bit more about what you're letting yourself in for by joining God's family. Uh, but also what you can expect from us. And I hope for all of us it's a call not to be a family that loves like the world, but to love like Jesus does. Let's love like we really are God's family. So I think the first thing we need to see, uh, to convince us of, actually, if you are a Christian, this is not optional. But how do we know who's in? Who's part of God's family? You don't get a birth certificate. We don't have a Christian family tree. We don't have special uniforms. There isn't a DNA test you can do to see if you're a Christian or not. So how do we know? We don't have to do any test. If you're a Christian, you are in the family. You're in. If you read through the Bible, it is rich with family language. God the Father, God the Son, brothers and sisters, children of God. Over and over again, God uses family language to describe himself and his people. So it's not an optional extra. It's not an upgrade to being a Christian. Uh, Hands up, who enjoys an occasional burger? Or a frequent one? I won't ask which. When you go to McDonald's and you order a burger meal, they often say, would you like to go large? What they're really saying is, would you like to upgrade? Would you like something more? But that's not what it's like for us as Christians. Jesus doesn't say, follow me. And then you say, yes. And then he turns around and says, well, would you like an upgrade? Would you like to be part of the family as well? Once you've said yes to Jesus, you're in. You're in. We are redeemed to God and to one another through faith in Christ. In fact, passages like Romans 12, 5, tell us we belong to one another. I'm not my own, I belong to you. You're not your own, we belong to each other. And in the passage, John was writing, recalling the command Jesus gave to his followers. And he wrote the same thing in his gospel, chapter 13, when Jesus gave that command. Love one another. You can only obey that command if you're committed to a local church. You cannot be a better Christian by not committing to a church, by not attending church. You cannot possibly be a better follower of Jesus by disobeying one of his commands. So in God's family, there's no such thing as the Lone Ranger Christian. Unfortunately, I can tell you from personal experience that is true. 
If you opt out of church, you're a fool. You're easy prey for Satan, for temptation and sin. So don't be a fool. (laughs) We all need our church. If we are Christians, we need our church family. And our church family needs us. Our church family needs us. Uh, And to kind of illustrate that, I'd need some volunteers. Any willing volunteers? Any unwilling volunteers that somebody else could push forward would be helpful? (laughs) Anna's going to volunteer. Brilliant. It's very simple. Stay there. That'll do. That's far enough. All you've got to do is drink this water. But you can only use your mouth. Okay. Can you manage it? You can only use your mouth. That would require you to use your legs. Okay. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're now using your hands. <laughs> you're now using your hands. What are we going to do? Well, there's a bit of knee bending as well. You're using your knees. Oh, goodness me. I thought it was quite a simple task to do, really, but there you go. Thank you very much. That's enough. That's enough. Uh, one more volunteer. Brilliant. Come on up. You need to put your blindfold on. Uh, and then when, when you're blindfolded, I'm going to put the table tennis ball somewhere, and I just need you to retrieve it and bring it back to me. Okay? Blindfold on. Do you want to go and get the table tennis? I know exactly where it is. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go in. We do have towels, but I'm not sure. Okay, thanks very much. Thanks for volunteering. Uh, Illustrating the truth that's shared in 1 Corinthians 12. The church is like a body. We are interdependent. If If you can only use one part, it's not really a body. It's not functioning properly. Or if one part is not being used, it doesn't function fully. We need each other, we are interdependent. I think it's worth saying as well that um, there's no qualification. No qualification to join in the family, just faith in Jesus. You can be a teenage boy or a man from Iran. God welcomes you just as you are. Calls you to come and join the family, to become the person he wants you to be and enjoy being part of a loving church family. This is what makes us distinctive as Christians differentiates us from the world, affirms our faith is genuine and proves the Holy Spirit lives in us. Jesus himself said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And so John, in his letter, contrasts this love, the love within God's family, with the world. And if you look back and uh, look at it again when you go home, what he says about the world is marked by death, By evil, murder, hatred, the world is hard-hearted and self-focused. I don't think you probably need much persuading. You've only got to listen to the news, maybe scroll through Twitter, and you see just how often that is true. We should be different. The church should be marked by life, love, sacrifice, submission, doing good, obedience, and being other-focused. So our passage today encourages us as a church to live up to that. And with God's help, it is possible. So for all of us who are Christians, we are automatically in God's family. 
Our church family is essential to us and we are essential to it. And our church family relationships will distinguish distinguish us from the world. But some of you here may not be Christians and wondering what does this mean for you? Well, Jesus is calling you to be part of that family. I think it's very clear, uh, both from what the Bible teaches and from experience, that we're made for relationships and community. In fact, the God who made us is a God who has been in loving relationship for all eternity. If you think about your happiest times, I am sure many of them, if not all of them, are times you've experienced with other people. One of the hardest things we had to endure during the lockdowns was being separated from our friends and family. Struggling with not being able to have contact with those people we really care about. We're made for relationships and community. That's where we find meaning and fulfilment. And through Jesus, it is possible for all of us to have relationship with God and his people. And it matters what choice you make. The family you choose to be part of, whether it's God's family or to remain with the world, matters. It matters for all eternity. Say yes to Jesus, you will spend eternity with him and with his family. Uh, And the place you will spend eternity in is far more amazing than anything you can possibly imagine. But if you reject Jesus' call, then you will remain cut off from God and his people for eternity. So your choice has eternal consequences. So friends, if you're not a Christian, turn to Jesus while you can. For those of us who are Christians, we're in God's family. God, uh, through John, God calls us to love one another. But a few thoughts about what that should look like. The example we're given is Jesus. And it says he loves us by laying down his life for us. And again, that's something repeated in other places, particularly in the New Testament. Sacrificing life for others is a very, very rare thing. Uh, and actually, Lisa and I recently visited Postman's Park in London. Who's ever been to Postman's Park? Who knows of Postman's Park? Okay, look it up when you go home. It's a really interesting place. Uh, it's a place where, they, where heroic self-sacrifice is remembered and honoured. Reading the, the plaques about the people there is both heartbreaking and heartwarming in equal measure. Young children who gave their lives to save a brother or sister. It is an amazing place, amazing stories. Stories of people dying to save those they love. So John writes, we should lay down our lives for one another like Jesus did. But does that mean we should all die? I don't think so. I'm not sure we'd benefit much from that as a church. Uh, I think what he's calling us to is to die to self. To sacrifice ourselves by laying down our desires, our preferences, our wants. To not pursue our own desires, our self-fulfilment, but to put others first, to become other-focused, to become self-forgetful, to submit to the desires, preferences and wants of others. But that is a choice. You are able to, if you choose to, to hold back from church. But again, I think that would be foolish, because that means you would not be all that God intends you to be, and the church you're in would not be all that God intends it to be. We need to follow the example of Jesus. Too often, churches are places where there could be a culture of gossip, judgment and even immorality. Or they're places where people spend all their time complaining, 
complaining about the preacher, which you can come and do to me later. Complaining about the length of services, the style of music, the children's work, the brand of coffee served, even the colour of the walls. I've heard people say there are people in their churches who complain about the colour of the carpet. Churches have their faults, but when that is the culture, surely that's a sign of a critical and demanding spirit, rather than a sacrificial loving spirit. So if we're going to love like Jesus, we need to pull aside our own preferences and wants. We need to die to self. And we need to sacrificially submit to each other and serve one another. So if we're Christians, we understand the depth of the truth about Jesus' love. But again, if you're not a Christian, maybe you haven't grasped that or understood it. Elsewhere in the Bible, it's described this way. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not only did Jesus sacrifice himself to demonstrate his love... He did that whilst we were his enemies, whilst we hated him, whilst we rejected him, turned our back on him. And he didn't wait until we'd changed, become better, tried to kind of take the initiative and say, oh, we're really sorry. Jesus did what was necessary. He did all that was needed to bring us back to God and to reconcile us into God's family. So God isn't waiting until you change or become a better person. Jesus has already done everything that is needed. All God is waiting for is for you to recognise that and say yes. So friends, turn to Jesus while you have the chance. Uh, I went through, as I was preparing, went through scripture looking for descriptions of love. Kind of, we read it a lot about God's love, love one another. And then there's a load we could have looked at. Not surprisingly. I would encourage you, I'm not going to do it now, so I'd encourage you, one of the options I explored was there are a number of one another sayings in the New Testament. Have a read of them and what it challenges you to be if you're part of God's family. But the route I went is to look, what does the Bible say about love? Uh, I don't know who remembers, I remember a series of cartoons, I can't remember quite where they appeared, where it would have a boy and a girl and it would say love is and it have multiple different things. Again, if you're too young... To, rem- to know what that is, I'm sure you can look them up online. But it would say things like, love is time for a coffee break. Love is that special one who brightens your day. Love is reassuring her you cannot see any cellulite. Love is cocktails for two. Multiple examples. Uh, but thankfully, <laughs> we don't rely on that. The Bible has something far more helpful for us. 1 Corinthians 13, uh, a passage often read at weddings. I think it speaks more broadly than just that relationship. So I'm going to read it slowly. And while I'm, while I'm reading it slowly, just think, what would this church family be like if we all loved each other like this? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. What an amazing church family that would be. That's the church family I want to be part of. It's a taste of heaven. 
what heaven is going to be like. Maybe you're thinking, is that even possible? What a standard. But brothers and sisters, that's what God calls us to. That's what we should be striving for. I need you to be patient with me, to be kind to me, not to envy me, not to boast to me, not to be proud. I need you not to dishonour me, to not be self-seeking, to not be easily angered by me and my failings, to keep no record of my wrongs. I need you to not delight in evil, but rejoice in the truth, to protect me, to trust me, to hope for the best for me, to persevere with me, to never fail me. Brothers and sisters, I need you to love me. Mark, Mansour, Mikhail, Sinner need us to love them, particularly as new believers. We need to love each other. That's how people would know we are followers of Jesus. Final aside for those of you who are not Christians. Have you ever experienced love like that? Do you really think you can find love like that anywhere else? Only with God and God's people will you find people who love each other that deeply. God loves you more than you can possibly imagine or know. But if you say yes to Jesus, join this family, you get a taste of what that love is like. So friends, turn to Jesus and experience his love. So how are we going to move to where we want to be from where we are? How can we begin to love each other as Jesus loves? How can we love as if we really are God's family? So I've got a few steps I think we should be taking to get us towards that goal. The first one is commitment. We are a church that has membership and a membership covenant because this family matters. The relationships matter. They require commitment. Some ways a bit like a marriage. I think in some ways even more serious than a marriage because church family lasts for eternity. Like I said, look around, this is your forever family. May not fill you with much joy to know we're going to spend eternity together, but we'll be perfect when we get when we get there, don't worry. But if it's going to be eternity, surely at some point we need to commit to one another. So if you're not a member yet and this is your church, come and speak to us and let's explore membership together. Second step, be intentional. Be intentional. That will require sacrifice. You might need to let go of some of your hobbies. You might need to give up some of your me time. But you need to be intentional. Make time to be with others from KCC. But also be intentional about being open, honest and vulnerable. You need to let others in. We can only love you if you're open with us. And generally we don't do that because we know when we do that there's a risk we'll be hurt, we'll be rejected. But we need to do it to have the hope that we will love each other as Jesus loves. One of the ways we do that at KCC is in our home groups. That's a place where we can go a bit bit deeper with one another and be more open. So if you're not in a home group, come and speak to us and we'll put you into one. Third step, have a positive and encouraging attitude. If you're unsure about someone's motives about why they're doing something... Assume they're doing it for good reasons rather than bad reasons. If someone disagrees with you, assume that they've come to that conclusion in a sensible way and they've made that decision for the glory of God. If there are things being done in church that you don't like or you would rather they were done differently, just assume they're still being done for a good reason. And maybe I'm going to call you to go even further than that. Rather than just think the best of each other, 
Actually, let's encourage each other. When you see someone serving and ministering in a way that you appreciate, why don't you tell them? Do you value that? Or just tell each other we appreciate how much we serve each other. Willingness to serve and love each other. Which is the fourth thing. Let's serve together. There are lots of opportunities for you to serve in the church. I can assure you, plenty of rotors we can add you to. Uh, So if you are not serving or you think you have capacity to serve more, come and speak to us. It doesn't have to be a rotor, but we'll find ways you can serve. But friends, finally, more important than all of those things, if you are a Christian, stay rooted in Christ. Commit to that relationship. We love because he first loved us. Jesus is a source of love. And when his love is at work in us, we can love others. So let's not be satisfied to love as the world does. Let us love as if we really are God's family. Let's pray to that end. Lord, we thank you today, particularly for our four brothers who've been baptised to proclaim to the world that they are yours and they are part of your family. Would we love them well? And Lord, we pray for ourselves as a church here at KCC. Would we grow into this love that you're calling us to? Would we willingly lay down our lives for one another? Knowing that this brings you glory, that it attracts others to Jesus. Lord, do this work in us. We pray and long for it. For your glory. Amen.